We'll always fight for and support efforts to drive positive social change and food justice for the benefit of moms, kids, and families. So when you have that, something as affirmative as that in your core values, it makes it really easy to understand what are the kinds of things you should stand for. When John Foraker and actress Jennifer Garner joined Once Upon a Farm, you know what they did first? They created the company's mission and values. Why was that so important, and why does the brand take a stand on social issues even in these divisive times? In this conversation with John, the first of a two-part discussion, we'll learn how they did it and why. Thanks for joining Brand New Blueprint, a podcast by Smoketown. I'm your host, Ryan Pintado-Vertner. We're going to learn from visionaries who are building consumer brands in radically new ways, brands with purpose, brands with new business models, and instead of waiting until their household names were zillions of dollars, we're going to hear from them right now. And who is Smoketown? Smoketown is a brand strategy and design consultancy that helps visionaries build bold, world-changing brands that are grounded in real consumer needs. In other words, we're nerds about this stuff. Here we go. John, welcome and thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'd love to just jump right in. Uh, you've been vocal about the role that CEOs should play in social and environmental issues. That was a big part of your leadership at Annie's where you were CEO and, and took that company public before General Mills purchased it. And it's now a big part of your role as CEO at Once Upon a Farm. Do you mind sharing your perspective just for a few minutes on the role that CEOs should play in taking on issues like the ones that you have? Sure, I'm happy to do so and, and honored to be here with you today. Um, so my my thinking on this has evolved over time. I've been in, in the industry as CEO for a long time. And I, the way I think about it is really mirrors the changing consumers that we have out there and also changing perceptions of the role of um, business and private enterprise in um, in making the world a better place. And if you kind of look at the emergence of the millennial consumer, for example, everyone talks about that consumer a lot and rightly so. They're an enormous buying group now. And if you talk to those consumers, they more and more are making decisions about what kind of brands to support and um, that are in line with the values that they that they also uh, support. And I, I, you know, grew up in a very um, conventional way. Went to work for a big uh, company early on in my career before I got in food, before business school. And it was notable to me that um, leaders of big companies very rarely spoke out on thorny or potentially divisive social issues. Um, obviously wanting to avoid potential bad press, not wanting to offend people, um, or maybe even moneyed interests that were doing business with them. And I always felt that um, a brand should stand for something, not just great quality product or experience or whatever that is, but also values that are really important to consumers. And it's very hard to separate your own personal values from um, a brand that you either create or work so long on that it becomes part of you. But 
at Annie's, I really had the opportunity to, to do that. And I felt like as the brand grew, as we became uh, more and more well-known, we had a platform and in many ways an obligation to stand up for things that we believed in and probably that most of our consumers believed in too, or at least a significant number of them. Um, and so we started taking positions on on things like GMO labeling or, um, you know, access to healthy food for kids in schools. And as I um, grew with that business over time, it became more and more obvious to me that that the, at least my style of leadership was best aligned to being involved with a company that had a culture that stood for so much more than just food, but for its own way of making the world a better place and driving positive social impact for change. And so when I came over here to Once Upon a Farm, that's one of the first things we started to do is really think about what are the things that we really care about? What are the things that we think we can really impact? And we've been very vocal on those myself and even others in the company have been really willing to put ourselves out there and take a position. And I think consumers respect that. And to the extent that, you know, we irritate somebody who says, well, that's fine. I'm never buying you. In my view is like, that's fine. Then don't. Um, but I believe these things and I know many consumers do too. And they, I think will reward us for being a company that stands up on important issues that are impacting society that we think we can drive positive change on. Was there a pivotal moment while you were leading Annie's when you realized, you know what, it's time to start taking a stand on issues? Yeah, I think it's the, it's, it was, uh, as the business got bigger and we got more confident with our understanding of our consumers and also people in the industry started looking to us for leadership. And, you know, it's one of those things sometimes you have a thorny issue and everyone's sitting around looking for somebody else to step up and lead. And I just felt like we, we needed to do that. And um, I think if you look at the evolution of the positions that I've taken in the companies that I've been involved with, I think it's fair to say that I've gotten more vocal over time. And part of that is as a CEO or leader, it, you just have to find your own voice and there's no one approach to this for everyone. It's really a very personal thing. And I've just, grown as I've grown older I've and more experienced I've come to the conclusion that for me the best way for me to lead is to be you know out there for all to see on the things that I really do think matter in society even if they're sometimes not popular right so this is actually very much a personal choice it's the approach that makes you feel most aligned to the work you're doing every day yeah, for sure, for sure that's the case. And I think it has to be, you know, um, if you, if you take, if you take positions on, um, issues that are, you know, touchy issues in society and you, you, you really don't believe what you're saying or you're doing it because you're trying to just get PR bang or whatever, it, it will obviously back, it will very likely backfire because, it won't come across as authentic and it will come off as commercial or something, you know, worse than that. And so, so I think, it, I think it's very much a personal choice and also a company culture choice, you know, cultures, company cultures grow as well. They're often heavily influenced by their leader, but not alone. It's many people in the company who contribute to that. And 
they support what, what I'm doing here too. It's really interesting to think of this as a personal choice. You know, millennials and Gen Zers, as we've discussed, are becoming bigger and bigger parts of the marketplace. So you can see how it's easy for a CEO or a founder to sort of talk themselves into the idea of supporting a cause just to score points. But what I'm hearing you say is that that may be a dangerous road. Yeah, I think my core philosophy in life, but obviously managing a business or working um, in a startup culture is, you know, honesty, transparency, um, and just authenticity are everything. And so, you know, my, I will never say anything that I don't believe. And when I say it, I'm willing to stand up and, and take the heat for it. If there is any, oftentimes, you know, what, oftentimes what people view as divisive, issues in our society actually aren't all that divisive once you carve through the politics of it. <laughs> it's um, when you talk to people individually. Um, so I, th- I think that's it. You just have to be your authentic self and come across and, you know, consumers are looking for that in brands and there's lots of research out there that shows that they, they support companies that are taking stands on important issues to try to make the world better. And they know that, you know, a, I believe, and I think many people believe that, you know, business has a very important role to play in positive transformation of our society, whether it's in agriculture or in social policy or whatever. And I think, um, you know, every, every leader needs to make a decision about where they want their business to be on that curve. But I, I choose to put us out on a further end of it um, that then may, maybe some people would be comfortable with. I wonder if you've experienced pushback of any kind, either with key stakeholders or large numbers of consumers and and if that's happened how have you navigated it you know one of your earlier questions which i didn't really answer well is a good example of this so um one of i can't remember exactly what year it was but it was a number of years ago um at annie's we were thinking of how we we could honor um pride day and we um we decided that what we would do is we would um take a picture of the rainbow color of boxes that we had um, and that we would post that in our social media accounts and we would make some kind of a statement about how we support pride. And and this was, this is super common today. Like everybody does it, but when we did it, like brands were not doing it. And, um, and I remember the conversation we had around the table. I was like, Hey, you know, there's probably some people that are going to really hate this. And, And I remember us basically saying to ourselves, well, too bad. Like, we know what we stand for. We know that, you know, we know what our consumers stand for and we, what we've always stood for, which is inclusiveness and love and um, connectivity and community. And like, how could we not be for that? So we put it out there and yeah, we got a lot of haters and um, I got a lot of direct mail on it. I got some phone calls some emails, people found my email address and obviously on social posts itself. But I remember just as that was happening for every one of those, there was probably 50 that were the opposite. (laughs) And I remember that was a really early lesson to me um, about the, the, the power that we had as a brand that people looked up and to admired to take a stand. And we did. And, you know, it's not the world's biggest thing, but in the scope of where, um, society was on acceptiveness and inclusiveness 
for people in the gay community at that time, it was really kind of an out there position to take. And um, so I think you have to just be willing, like you shouldn't take positions on anything if you're worried about making somebody upset. I mean, the reality is in our society these days, your opening comments talked about how divided we are. Like you, you almost can't do anything without making somebody angry now. That's <laughs> so, <laughs> so just be true to yourself and love yourself for it and um, build a company and a brand that you feel comfortable with. That's what it should be a true reflection of yourself. I'm struck by the fact that you've pursued this path of purpose in two very different environments. With Annie's, particularly kind of later in that company's stage, it was a pretty well-established business, hundreds of millions of dollars, whereas with Once Upon a Farm, you're growing fast, but it's still a very young company by comparison. Have you noticed any differences in leading with purpose between the two environments? You know, um, in a in a later stage company, you have a bigger platform. Obviously, more people know you, and um, you know you can you can probably get more leverage. But in in many ways, starting from the beginning with um, the on taking positions on the kinds of things we take in positions on at Once Upon a Farm, like um, you know national paid family leave, or you know commentary I've made about dreamers and. Um, you know, immigration issues, like, uh, like in many ways, it's kind of easier as a smaller company um, in the sense that you're still forming what this brand and this business and culture stand for. And, um, but in either case, you have to be willing to take the heat and you have to really feel confident that the things you're positioning around are truly meaningful for society and that you'll be comfortable looking at them 10 years in, in the future in the rearview mirror and saying, yeah, that was a choice I'm, I would make over again in a heartbeat. Yep. You have investors now. Has that changed your range of options when it comes to taking a stand? Yeah, I think um, lots of things have changed. One, there's way more investor options available today than there were in the early days of Annie's and let alone when, when I got there. And um, so there's lots of investors to choose from and, you know, big ones, small ones, early stage, late stage, but also, you know, in our society in general, if you think about businesses like the ones we're talking about or um, any other that are out there, values and purpose are increasingly a differentiator for um, businesses in every, in every community, including in venture. And so it's really easy to, to understand where, your potential venture partners are on um, some of these issues and how flexible and willing they are to allow you to be yourself. You know, back to the, the changes in consumers we've talked about, you know, you know, I argue and have, have learned from, you know, great people like Gary Hirschberg, who was one of my men mentors who founded Stonyfield that, Investments that we're making in purpose and mission are the best investments you can make in a business if you have a good operating model because you're really building not only positive social impact, which drives culture, values, employee engagement, consumer engagement, all that. You're making the world a better place while you're doing it. And you're also building love and loyalty for your brand. So this this strategy can and you know, this way of leading can really build a lot of consumer love, which results in 
ultimately, hopefully, you know, lots of sales, brand loyalty, and business success also. So there's alignment there, you know, which I think is really good. I'd like to change gears a bit and get into the strategic nuts and bolts of picking a cause. There's a zillion different issues that a brand could choose to support. I wonder at Once Upon a Farm, how have you decided which issues to tackle and which issues not to? Yeah, so in terms of, um, you know, like a couple things that I've just never really thought that brands should, you know, really hang their hat around. To me, like hanging your hat around like straight up politics around parties and things like that is just a mistake Um, because, you know, I think a it's divisive on it's divisive just to be divisive and it's really a separate from the issues. So I never do that. But um, we always look for and I always look for things that are personal to me and to the people that are building this brand here. And one of the stories I tell is that Annie's one of the one, I made a lot of mistakes at Annie's, but I only regretted a few. One of them was that I never really, really built a program at Annie's that made it easy for parents having kids. Um, You know, we had a, a patchwork way of dealing with it that most people have to deal with. There was no paid family leave program. It was a lot of paperwork and all that. And so I always said to myself, I wish we had done that differently. And in today's era, there, there are companies out there that have done it. So one of the first things we decided to do here is, is really develop a forward-thinking paid family leave um, and, and uh, paid medical leave program so that we could really support those moms and dads when, when they had kids. And I mean, we're a brand that's about babies and families. Like how could not that position not be directly connected to our broader goal, which is to, you know, drive positive social impact and, you know, make families healthier and happier. And so, so we um, developed our own paid family leave program. We connected with some great uh, resources like uh, paid leave USA that's out there and others who have really looked at what best practices are out there. And then we connected that to taking a public stand on, uh, paid family medical leave. And Kristen Gillibrand has um, had some legislation called the Family Act. There are a number of different ways to handle this. Um, but our position is that paid family leave should be a something that every American has access to, no matter what their income level. And by the way, the U.S. is one of only two countries in the world that doesn't have that. Uh, it's us and um, Papua New Guinea. Um, I think we could come into the modern century and say that Supporting families um, when they're going through these transitions is really important. So we're we're not going to get into necessarily the politics of how it gets paid for. There are a million ways to do that, but we are willing to take a stand and say we need this, and we're willing to sign on to the best legislation that can help make it happen. And I think it will happen here in the U.S. But that that's an example of how we've tied it into what we're doing, and you'll continue to hear us talk about that, encouraging other companies to do the same thing. Um, but also trying to put our voice in to the the public debate around how to get it done, you know, when we get to a place where we can get some stuff like that done. So to play that back, the, the considerations for choosing an issue like paid family leave, in your case, were partially personal conviction, partially creating a healthy culture, and then it was partially about building a brand because your brand is all about making life easier for families. 
That's right. I mean, at some point, I think the number's higher now, but we, we, um, we looked at all of our employees and we have, we have a lot of moms who work here. We're probably about 75 to 80% women, including, you know, most of the senior leadership team. And we counted up and I think we had 17 kids under the age of five. And we said, well, if we can't like get something set up that will work for our, our group, you know, who can. So, right. so anyway, that, that's exactly, it's very personal on many different levels. And I look for things like that, you know, where, it's truly aligned with our purpose as a brand, our, the work we do every day, um, and it just ties it all together in a really nice way. Right. Are you at a stage where the brand's purpose is clearly defined, or are you early enough that you're still in development on it? No, so the purpose is, is very well defined. Our mission and values are very well defined. It's really about making life better for um kids and families and not just, you know, nutritional better, but, but, um, happiness, health and happiness and, um, broader positive social impact. And so, you know, what I like though, in an entrepreneurial company is you can, you can adapt and grow and cultures and adapt and grow. And maybe there's an issue that we're not on right now that we might be in the future. That's not on our radar yet. It could be something new that comes up in society or a problem that's in society that gets elevated and all of a sudden we're saying, Hey, we could play a role in um, lending our voice to that or our financial resources. I think that's really important is to stay flexible, but never outside the core, you know, the, the, your core values define your kind of the guardrails on the road for you. And we will always stay within our core values and the things that we think the brand stands for and should advocate for consumers. How early in the brand's development did you, have those values in that in that mission from day one, or did it take some time? So uh, it's a great it's a great uh, true story. So you know this company was founded um, kind of late 2015 by Ari Roz and Cassandra Curtis, and they were a small company down in San Diego. I was an investor pretty quickly after that, and then but the real transformational moment for this company was when um, actress you know Jen Garner and I met. Uh, we talked about lots of things um, that we had that we shared in common interest about like, um, you know, the challenges that poor kids have getting healthy food, you know, poverty in rural America, um, you know, educating kids, like lots of issues that we kind of bonded on and we decided together literally that we were going to get together on this project and join as co-founders. And we did that in late 2017 and literally before, before the contracts were done, before we, um, you know, before any public announcement on any of this stuff, we spent a bunch of time on mission and values and we wrote them all down. And, you know, our mission is really simple. It's to nurture our children, each other and the earth in order to pass along a healthier and happier world for the next generation. It's very aspirational and we have really strong core values around that. So we locked that stuff down like, right away. And, it wasn't, by the way, just her and I. It was her and I and Ari and Cassandra. It was the six or seven kind of key people um, that were either in or were brought into the company early on to really establish what our voice was going to be. And we all aligned that we wanted to do this really fast. You contrast that to Annie's, actually. I've told this story many times, but um, for the first 10 years, they really didn't have a lot of stuff well articulated. They had 
lots of things they stood for on the box and lots of, you know, emotional things that were really cool, but it was the roadmap was never really crystal clear. And it wasn't until the mid two thousands that um, we did that. And once we did that, it made every decision so much easier about how we should grow the kind of people we should hire the kind of behavior we should expect out of ourselves and each other. Um, and the business just exploded and took off. And so um, we made, we made a different decision here to really be conscious about defining that early on here. It's literally the first thing we did. That's incredible. I, I don't hear that very often. That's really early in the company's development. I can only think of one or two examples of, of startups that I know that did that. That's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, and I think uh, I, largely just because of you know the ex- experience we had, I th- I don't think it would have been first nature for us to do it either had I not been through the growth experience I had at Annie's and really seeing how important that was to our eventual success. It was really everything. It was it was the key pivot point in the company. The change, you know, defining that, for example, helped define for us how important organic was to our mission and therefore it caused us to lean in much more aggressively on our organic supply chain and converting most of our products to organic way before, you know, we probably otherwise would have, which happened to hit consumers at exactly the right time with the mainstream organic. So um, it was, it was really, um, I'm really excited that that's in place. And um, I think, you know, our beyond the experiences that I just mentioned that led us to that, the other thing was I knew that in this business, it wasn't going to be a slow growth situation. We were going to have to, because we were trying to develop um, a new category and because um, the stakes were so high, we knew that when we did this, we were going to have to not only do it and be bold and take some risks, but we're going to have to go really fast to really build leadership in the new baby, which is in, in this new category, which is fresh baby. Um, and extending into kid. And um, so we weren't going to have the luxury of time to come back to it later and put that in. It had to be in the foundation to make sure that we made the right decisions as we grew. And to take that even further, it actually fit nicely within the business strategy overall, right? Because part of establishing a leadership position in a new category is being able to generate awareness and drive trial in a big way and having a clear mission that people really care about it helps a company do that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of our core values, I mean, uh, our core values and our mission you can find online, but one of the core values, which is my favorite, is we'll always fight for and support efforts to drive positive social change and food justice for the benefit of moms, kids, and families. So when you have that, something as affirmative as that in your core values, it makes it really easy to understand what are the kinds of things you should stand for. And what are the kinds of initiatives in your business that you should be willing to lean into and invest in? And, you know, we've mentioned a couple already, but one of the ones that we're working really hard on, which is a good example of that is being, you know, doing everything that we can to be the first to deliver fresh baby food under the WIC program in the U S and oh, wow. for those who don't, for those of you who don't know what WIC is, WIC is the women, women, infant, children, um, health uh, program of the U.S. government. It's smaller than SNAP, but it's very important. It basically is um, prenatal through age five um, support for moms that 
are um, in you know, effectively in poverty and making sure that they have access to some resources to provide the best for their own and their children's health. And 75% of those um, moms are in and kids are in households of four um, um, that are, 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 I'm sorry, 75% of them are in households under the federal poverty limit, um, with it, which is about $24,000 a year for a family of four. And and you know, these families are averaging about $17,000 a year. The idea that we could be the company that is, you know, either audacious or stupid enough or whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever description you want to use to think that we could uh, change the game for nutrition for the poorest in our society, in addition to providing great fresh alternatives for those who have better means to pay for it is a really inspiring thing for us to be working on. And it's not easy, but it's in our core values that that's the kind of work we should be doing. Wow. That is a really important and to your point, bold thing to take on. Yep. It's really hard to do. And um, we're not stating exactly how fast it's going to happen, but we are working very aggressively on it. And um, I think it's going to happen a lot faster than anyone could ever imagine. And I will, I'll just leave it at that. But, but I think that's the kind of, to me, businesses should really try to, to, to go after some big, hairy, audacious goals. And that's one that we chose to go after literally day one when Jen and I got together and we talked to the team about what we want to accomplish here. I love everything about that. So, John, on that note, I'm actually going to thank you for taking the time and sharing your stories and wisdom with us. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to Brand New Blueprint. If you liked this episode, please give us a positive rating. This podcast is a production of Smoketown. Huge thanks to Lisa, our producer, and to the regulars for the beats. If you have suggestions, feedback, hit us up in the comments, and be sure to check out our next episode. <laughs>